One of the things that's happened in Christendom is people no longer believe in the Christian message, the gospel. And churches up and down the land don't preach it anymore. Uh, they preach a garbled message, uh, partly um, seeker-friendly nonsense, and uh, they ignore the basic truths. And so we were looking in the book of Colossians, uh, which was written to people who basically had to realize that Greek philosophy had come in and all kinds of errors um, after the dispersion. It was 500 years of error came into the Jewish nation and um, they set up synagogues and the scribes, which were Levites, um, they had no job because when they were scattered abroad in a temple, uh, sacrifices were no more, what were they going to do? So they started teaching people and they taught people traditions and then they mixed in with it uh, the traditions of um, Babylon, they mixed in the Greek traditions and philosophies and so the whole thing became Christianity plus Greek thought plus Hellenistic thought plus um, Babylonish thought uh, and then from Persia came the idea that you know there was um, a God who was disinterested in what was going on and everything in the earth was evil and the only way you could ever get to God was by becoming ascetic and you had to deny your flesh, you had to starve yourself uh, and Paul was faced with a Colossian church that had gone the same way and so the epistle that's written is written to correct false teaching. And if ever we need to read the gospel and correct what's false, it's today. So many people have got trapped in ideas. They go to church and they've got an idea about Jesus. And they think, you know, prosperity is the thing. God wants to bless you, prosper you make you rich, and that's it. And you'll find miracles have gone out of the window. Uh, the power of God has become defunct. And, and a lot of your prejudices and a lot of the errors and a lot of the wrong way of living comes from wrong understanding. My Bible says the strongholds of Satan are in the mind. That's in your reasonings and imaginations. And the Holy Ghost has come to pull down the strongholds of Satan in your mind. In other words, your thinking has to change. Now let me make it plain to you. The philosophies of this world will lead you into disaster. Watch out. There are a lot of books out today, How to Bring Up Your Child. I'll tell you what, 100% of them are wrong. There is one book that's right. It's called the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. You need to avoid the philosophies of this world. What sends people wrong are the philosophies and the answers that the world come up with. Because the world hasn't got it right. Jesus has. And he's God the creator. Is that plain? And you'll find it in the book. We're going to the book. I'll show it to you. Let's go to Colossians. I just um, want to recap a bit. Um, I, I want to talk about Christians. And if you're a true Christian, not a person who comes to church on Sunday, that's not a Christian, that's a person who comes to church on Sunday. Uh, a Christian is a person who's been born again of God's Spirit and transformed into life. A, a Sunday attender is not a Christian, he's just religious. You see, life in Christ is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It's not what you are in here, it's what you are when you walk out that door. 
Uh, and so many people think they go and, and feel good on a Sunday and live like a devil on the Monday. Thank you very much. And you need to be part of a living body. Neglect it, you neglect it at your peril. We'll see what Paul has to say about that in a minute. But one thing I want to make plain, you know, is Christianity uh, is about what you are, your life. It is not a kind of visiting. Because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more, as I said the other week, any more than visiting a garage makes you a car. God intends us to realize Christianity's got to be real. Okay? So here's Paul writing to these people, all confused. They're confused by philosophies, and Christianity's got mixed up with a hodgepodge of ideas. And in truth, that's where we are today. And so Paul writes to the Colossian church, he wants to get their brain functioning. And the hardest thing to do in any church is to get people's brains to function. It really is. In fact, most people in life, their brain doesn't function. It really doesn't. They accept the status quo. They accept what people tell them. And they don't question. But there's a touchstone. It's called the Word of God. And so Paul writes this epistle from prison. And first thing I want you to notice is for a Christian, is chapter 1, verse 13. Jesus hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Now there's one thing that is certain of any Christian. You're totally delivered from the power of darkness and you have been translated into the kingdom of his dear Son and it's a done deal. Is that clear? You were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, and there's no mixture. If there's a mixture in you, you've never had anything real. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now you're redeemed by the shed blood that was shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago. You're not redeemed by taking communion or breaking of bread. You don't participate in the life of Christ by going through ritualistic ceremony. You take, partake of the life of Christ by believing the shed blood. Is that plain? Hello? If you don't like it, lump it. But that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what Paul, he was having to get them back to believe. And then you'll find, um, he goes on and he says, Who, verse 15, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him, that's by Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Now, he's establishing for the Colossian church, he's saying, Hey! Understand this, God created everything, visible and invisible. His creator God. And anyone that does not believe in God creating heaven and earth and all that is in it, visible and invisible, cannot be a Christian. Now the Greek philosophers believe that God was kind of there and it was an angel that created everything and there was good angel and bad angel uh, and the two fought each other and the bad angel had made everything evil. And now the bad angel was in charge on earth. And so the only way was transcendental meditation to get out, you've got to get in your spirit to get out. It's amazing how many charismatics are trying to get out of their body into their spirit. 
You need deliverance. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, do you believe what God says? Hello? Everything was created by him and for him. That's every principality, every power. I can't understand the Christian voodoo witch doctors from America who want to go in for spiritual warfare. Totally unbiblical, totally wrong, totally stupid. Goes on and makes it even plainer. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. There is nothing that has reality and life and being that does not have the power of God supporting it. There's nothing in heaven or earth that exists in creation without his power maintaining it. It consists by him. Is that plain? Now, if you don't believe that, and that's every throne, every dominion, every principality, every power, everything visible, everything invisible, the only thing that gives it any substance is God. Plain enough, isn't it? Now, I, I find so many Christians don't believe that. I can't understand how anyone could not believe in creation. It just shows they've never received the Spirit of Christ. They're none of His. Because it's a fundamental of truth. And you have to know, and you have to know it, because God lives in your mortal flesh and you cannot deny what you know because you've met the living God. And if you haven't met the living God, you can't believe it. And so it's part of a Christian. It's so, I, I tell you, till I was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, I could not believe. But when God sovereignly spoke to me, chose me, birthed me, filled me, all by his action, I tell you, I could not not believe. Uh, impossible. Uh, and I find, I, I find it absolutely impossible uh, to question it because I just know it's true. Look, Jesus was there. He's eternal. He was there at the beginning. He, he was before the world was. He created everything. When he walked on earth, he believed it. Are you smarter than him? Smarter than God? Well, shut up. Uh, you know, it's strongholds of Satan in your mind. Somehow you think your puny little intellect is greater than God. And that's stupid, isn't it? believe you're greater than God. Uh, and so that's plain. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Jesus should all fullness dwell. And verse 21, you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. 
Now, what is the hope of the gospel? Christ in you. And you see, what has happened in Christendom is people get saved, get born again, and then they get a philosophy from Christians that totally take them away from the simplicity which is Christ in you is the hope of glory. Hey, he is my righteousness. It's not what I do, it's what he did. He's my life. He lives in me. It's not how I do it, it's how he did it. He gave me a gift. It's called the gift of life. I don't have to struggle to be what he is. I live, nevertheless not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I find too many people are trying to get in the Spirit. Come down. God's Spirit, you're in the flesh. I live in the flesh. When I meet people, I meet their flesh. I don't meet their spirit. Uh, and when people saw Jesus, they didn't beat his spirit. They met his human being. He was man. He was God. Listen, Christ has come in our mortal flesh. <coughs> Christ in me. Not, oh, it's in my spirit, you see. But oh, the flesh is weak. Oh. Get born again. Is that plain? Hello? Is that plain? You know, when you start seeing what the Bible... Here's Paul writing to these philosophers and, uh, and the people have gone so wrong and he's saying, what on earth are you getting so confused about? Come back. You know, life begins with Christ. We have life and life more abundant. Hey, if sin was so good, you've got ten times a better life when Christ comes. You know, when people go after the world and give up the ways of God, it's because they failed to grow in grace and truth and they left the essential thing which is Christ in you. In your mortal flesh. And they start looking for something else. <laughs> Who now rejoice, verse 24, in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. And you know, Christ is in my flesh. It, not in my spirit. Christ in you. You know, you can't confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh but by the Holy Ghost. It, it not, God, God isn't somehow in your spirit somewhere. It, my Bible says we have this treasure in the earthen vessel. What's the earthen vessel? Your flesh. It's not your spirit. Isn't that right? Hey, there's such a lot of false doctrine gone around. Um, and Paul was refuting it. Uh, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. For I would, chapter 2, verse 1, I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. <laughs> for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may, might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Where do the treasures of wisdom and knowledge abide? 
Where do the treasures of wisdom and knowledge abide? Huh? Not in Ford. Miss Fall. Probably Ms. Ford, you've got to say. Yuck. Where the treasures of wisdom and knowledge abide? In God the Father and in Christ. Is that plain? Hello? You know, so many people, they end up following false philosophies. Hey, Paul said, look, what conflict I'm suffering trying to bring to you the truth. And I'll tell you this, if you want conflict, preach Christ. If you want conflict, stand up to people who are going wrong. If you want conflict, you've got to, if you want to be a pastor, if you want to be something, you've got to stand up to the old goats. You've got to stand up to the people. And I'll tell you what, they don't give you a box of chocolates. And if you do, I won't eat them. You know, the moment you tell someone that the way they're living is wrong, they think you're attacking them. The way, when you tell them what they think and the way they're going is wrong, they take it as personal attack. And they get violent in their minds, if not in their words. They don't like to be challenged. Paul said, I, I, I endure this conflict. Boy, pastoring anyone is misery. You know, it really is. I'll tell you why. Do you want to know? Because the thing you have to do is you have to preach the truth and people take it personally. And then they turn on you because in their sin-sick little hearts, they hate someone to challenge them. Light manifests darkness. What's dark inside you, as soon as light comes, comes right to the top and it's ugly. That's why you need to get born again. And Paul says, I'm suffering conflict. Poor. I, I, you know, I, 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 people can sit for years listening and be as dead as dead can be. And you think, how can they be so dead? I'll tell you, they've got the gift of death. You're meant to have the gift of life. <laughs> Paul says, I've got this conflict. He said, uh, he said <laughs> that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. Unto all riches a full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. Do you know, I find people are conned by other people who come along with enticing words. Well, you know, yeah, I know he said that, but you know, it, it doesn't really mean that. You know, well, yeah, well, the Bible, yeah, well, but, but you know, and, and the next thing you know, they entice you away from Christ. For, though I be absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein in thanksgiving. Look, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Do you know, how you receive is how you've got to live. The trouble is, people receive and then start living a different way than how they received. When I received Christ, it was simple. Very simple. 
God met me. He pursued me. He got me. He conned me. He caught me. He filled me. He freed me. And I had nothing to do with it. And as I've received Christ, I've learned to walk in him. In other words, if it's me that's doing it, I'm knackered. There's too many people going about to establish their own righteousness. Too many people forget it's how you receive Christ. Having begun in the Spirit, he says uh, to the Galatians, are you now made perfect in the flesh? No. <laughs> you remain walking in Christ in the same way you received him when you got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to live that way in simplicity. It was God who did it, wasn't it? And every moment of every day, I can't do anything of myself, it's God. And if it's not God, forget it. You're not a Christian. Is that plain? Uh, is that plain? Yes. Is that plain? Yes. How you start is so important. Whenever I talk to people who come in a mess, they always want to tell me their life history. Let me tell you right now, I don't want to know your stinking life history. It's irrelevant. What I want to know is the day you were met by God and whether you're walking in that same experience today. Um, it says this. As you have therefore, verse 6, received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in your faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Then he says, beware. Now watch out. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now there's philosophies that come in. You see, there's kind of philosophy of life in your family, in your home. There's a philosophy of life in society. There's a philosophy of life in business. There's a philosophy of life. Beware. Beware, says Paul. The problem with the church is that it's got snared by the world's wisdom. I'm amazed how many pastors go off to learn business practices. They take, you know, denominations take their pastors away to teach them business practices. Hey, the church isn't run as a business. The church of Jesus Christ is run by the word of God and in Christ is all wisdom and knowledge. We don't need the world. We don't need the world's philosophies. We don't need the world's ways. We need God's word. And his word is a person. Not a philosophy. It's Christ in your mortal flesh. As you have received him, so walk in him. You don't get hooked up with all the stupidities. number of people get hooked up with silly things. Well, you know, what are we going to do about the homeless? Nothing. What are we going to do about Africa? Nothing. What are we going to do? I'll tell you why we do nothing. Because we're called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, our whole purpose is to get the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ out to a sin-sick, needy world. What we're not there to do is social work. 
We're not here to try and change society. And I'll tell you, giving money to people doesn't help them. You know, the answer for a person's life is Christ. <laughs> I want all the world to know there's a Savior. His name is Jesus. Glory to God. Beware, lest anyone spoil you. They spoil you through philosophy. And they spoil you after the traditions of men. Well, you know, in our church, we've always done it this way. Now, you know, you want to, you know, we've been on the road 50 years. When I started out, you know what God said to me? He said, Michael, you know what you don't want. Build what you do. I tell you what I didn't want, anything that I saw. I thought there's a better way. There's the Jesus way. Hey, God lives in me. And I thought, I don't want to go, I don't want to follow anyone but Christ. And then I met another man. Well, I met many men down the way. Alf Schulters, dear Austrian fellow, been in concentration, Nazi concentration camps. They smuggled him out. And he, he was a, a real preacher of the word. Lovely man, spent four years in solitary confinement. That was from 1934 till 1938 in Austria. Nazism was still, was very much alive. And do you know, they were still trying to make treaties with Hitler. Boy, you can't make a treaty with the devil. Understand it. No compromise. There's only one Savior, only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Jesus. And don't get conned by anything else. I'm not multicultural. I'm single. Singly set on Christ. Look at this. It goes on. For in him, that's in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now let me tell you something. If you've so received Christ, and you've begun in Christ, and you stay in Christ, you are complete in him. Not outside of him, but in him. There is nothing more you can have when you have Christ living in your mortal flesh. You are complete in him. Put your hand on your chest. Say, I'm complete in him. God says so. Anyone who tells me I need more is a liar. Because the word of God says I'm complete in him. If God says I'm complete in him, and his word is true, anyone that tells me different is a liar. Any philosophy, any teaching that says I need more is a lie. I'm complete in him. Amen? Amen. And in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. How? Bodily. Bodily. Do you know you have in your earthen vessel a treasure? All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you. Don't ever think you're not complete. In Christ, God filled him with all the fullness. And when Christ comes to you, 
He cannot be but what he is. The fullness of God dwells in you and you are complete in him. That's a Christian testimony. What's yours? Return, heavenly dove, from on high. Where have you been hiding? He lives in me. I live in him. Amen? Amen. Boy, what a gospel. What good news, isn't it? You know, you go to some churches and they say, Ah, what you need now is the deeper life. How can you go deeper than God? Huh? You need a new anointing. Shut up. You know, people, they, they come to me and say, pray for me to be anointed. I said, you don't need anointing, you need Christ. He's the anointed one. Do you know, Jesus said he was anointed to heal the sick. The day you start doing it, you're in trouble. It's God who heals. You are complete in glory to God. Hey, look at this. I love this. I, I think, you know, the Bible is the best book in the world. <sighs> in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. It's what God did when he raised Jesus out the tomb. God did it. Your experience, you rose in Christ, and it's an operation of God, not an operation of your faith. It's God's faith. God does it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hey, 2,000 years ago, I rose in him. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to strive. It's an operation of God. God does it. Glory to God. Putting off the sins of the flesh. God delivers. God gave me new life in Christ. God forgave me. God did everything. What a wonderful God. What a God we serve. Amen? And then good news. Huh? It's not this kind of, hey, you've got to go out there and do this and do It's an operation of God. That leaves you out of it. God knew if he left you to do anything, you'd mess it up. So he says, I can't trust them with anything. I'll do it all. And Jesus said, it's finished. Amen? What a God. That's the Savior. See? He's the Redeemer, not you. Oh, well, you know, if I pray enough. No, 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 no. I meet people that fast and pray. I tell them I don't. I pray fast. It gets things done. Ah. Glory to God. Hey, you need a miracle? It's easy. Why? All the fullness of Godhead dwells in me bodily. He's a miracle-working God. Dwells in my mortal flesh. Now, I'll tell you this. There are people that don't want a miracle. Nothing you can do. If someone sets their mind that they're not going to have a miracle, they won't get it. I find some people, they, they defy God. They'll go to hell. Sick as they are. Reason they go is not because God sends them there, they reject the truth. You tell them the truth and they won't listen. They believe. People tell them. You see, you don't want to believe what people say because you lose hope. Our hope's in Christ. Uh, I find there's too many people 
hooked up with wrong things and, and wrong ideas and wrong philosophies. And they hurt themselves. And our God doesn't want us to be like that. They said I'd die in three months. I went to the hospital, they told my wife I'd be dead in three months. That was about 22 years ago. I guess, wasn't it? Yeah, dead in three months. But at the time I felt too so sick, I hadn't got the energy to die. You know, yeah, there's people who want to convince you. Hey, we have all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling in our mortal flesh. You are complete in him. You know, you are. You're complete in him. Absolutely complete. Now, if you're complete in him, what more do you need? Well, you need to increase. And you need to increase. Uh, and it goes on and it explains it. Paul explains it to the Colossian church. I just want to point this out to you. Okay. Ah, dear. He's blotted out, verse 14, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Everything contrary to us he took out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, there is nothing that is contrary to you being reconciled to God that can ever get in the way of your relationship with God. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What's contrary, he took out the way. So you can't sit there and say, well, there's this in my life, that's that in my life. I want to tell you today, you can believe what God says. He took it out of the way, he nailed it to the cross. Everything that's contradictory, everything that's contrary has already been nailed tight down to the cross. Everything. He took it out of the way, nailing it, to his cross. Do you believe that? Blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. There's a lot of things. You know, there's people who have got their legalistic laws. They've written them down. I tell you, there's handwriting of ordinances that's against us. And contrary to us, he's taken it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross. He said, that's it, boy, it's over. As I said the other day, the only, thing that, the only law that you've now got as a Christian, as a Gentile, is you mustn't eat things strangled or offered to idols. That's it. Okay. And he goes on. He says this. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly in it let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of a sabbath day which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of christ let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and band, bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Look, you've got to keep your focus in the way you began, Christ. My whole focus is Jesus. Jesus Christ and nothing less. My whole focus in life is him. It's not 
what people tell me. It's not rules and regulations. It's not laws. Life is Christ. I live. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm complete in him. He lives in me. I'm alive in him. Hey, and I walk in him. And it's his power that does it. It's his word that speaks. It's his life that flows. And it's wonderful. And he then goes on and he says, look, you folks, you can't live on your own. Don't let anyone beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, vainly puffed up, and not holding the head, Jesus. Now that was because they believed that the creator of heaven and earth was an angel, not God. That's what their philosophy was. And so he was rebuking and saying, no, it's God. And you've got to hold this head. And, and when you hold the head, there's something you have to do. You have to realize from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. The only way you'll ever grow in Christ is by being in a living church where there's a living ministry and you're knit together by every joint and band. Now, I've seen people who've dislocated children, dislocated their joint. See, babies with a dislocated hip, their leg won't grow right. Why? It's not in joint. For to have natural growth and healthy growth, everything has to be in joint. Put your shoulder out, you'll get a trouble. Put your knee out, you get trouble. Why? Because health comes from the joints being healthy. And we need to understand that the only way to live is to live healthy. You have to be in the body of Christ. God wants to make increase. And the way he makes increase is by you being nourished and by you growing and you grow when you're part of a living body and when you function and fulfill that part that God called you to do. You will not develop, you will not grow, you will not go on as an independent. It doesn't work. And Paul was saying to the Colossian church, hey, you've got to understand. You've got to hold the head, and if you hold the head... Christ is the head of the church. We've just looked at it. You've got to be part. You can't just go off and think, oh, you know, I'll go and I'll do this. I'll do. No! You need each individual. You need. You can't grow on your own. The only thing you'll do on your own is you'll grow into deception. You'll go wrong. We need one another. I watch people who go unhealthy. I'll tell you, the first thing you find, they don't attend meetings. The second thing you find, they get occupied with the wrong things. The third thing you find, they lose touch with God. And the reason they lose touch with God is you have to be nourished by that which every joint and band supplies. If you cut a finger off, it's going to die. Cut an arm off, it's gone. Cut yourself off from the body of Christ, and I'll tell you what will happen. You will not increase and develop as God intends. What will happen? You will go worse and worse and worse because God intended a way for a healthy body to grow, and it's every joint and band. Is that plain? Hello? So don't think, oh, well, you know, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't need anyone. Paul says, hey, you Colossians, you got it wrong. Find so many people think they can just wander off. You can't. 
Okay, is that plain? Wherefore, verse 20, if you be dead in Christ from the rudiments, that's the elements of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and teachings of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Where's it hid? With, with Christ in God. And I'll tell you, Jesus Christ lives in your mortal. And you are complete in him. And in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Isn't that wonderful? Well, that's chapter 2. You know, I love my Bible. I just love it. Uh, I, I can't understand why people don't understand it. Because it's so simple and straightforward. And uh, it's so easy. So, so easy. Uh, Philosophy is dangerous. I, I, I meet people who, who have all kinds of philosophies and all kinds of ideas uh, and all kinds of wrong things as for me well I'm a Christian a Christ man God lives in me and he's a good God a very very Good God.